Welcome to Account-Based Marketing. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders, sharing thoughts and practical tips for becoming more customer-centric and accelerating revenue growth. Hosted by me, Alicia Linden, CEO at Momentum ITSMA, a global B2B growth consultancy and advisory firm. Account-based marketing is often perceived as a demand generation program and not a brand strategy. Today, we're here to argue that account-based marketing actually straddles both demand and brand. And I'm thrilled to have Rachel Fairley, Chief Brand Officer for Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, in with us today. Rachel, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, Alicia. Great to have you with us. Uh, Rachel, you've you've had a phenomenal career to this point, and I, I know you've got so so much in the tank and, and still to go. It'd be great just to kick off with a little bit about who you are and um, your, your role currently. Yeah, so I, I'm basically just a brand-driven transformation person. So I've worked on over 30 repositionings of businesses in my career. I just absolutely love coming into a business when it is trying to figure out how to get the growth that it wants into new markets, new audiences, new products, new services, and to actually diagnose what the best way to to do that is, get the strategy in place, and then actually make it happen. That's where I get my sort of thrills is, is seeing the impact. I love it. I really love it. It's a sort of weird job. I didn't know it existed when I went to university, but um, maybe I made it up, but I, I, I absolutely adore it. Those are the best jobs. The best jobs are the ones that you make up. You evolve over time. Um, so 30 repositionings, you know, what, why do you think organizations need to go through repositioning? What, are there some typical patterns? Have they ended up not responding to markets quickly enough? What, 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 what do you see as the, the catalyst for needing to, to reposition? So I think that the challenges are actually quite common and almost cyclical. So I think businesses go into a market with the kind of products and services that buyer wants, but then the market moves on. And so they need to go in with fresh offerings, but they run into problems because actually if the buyer doesn't know they're offering them, they won't, they won't buy them. And so I think often you have this issue where just because you've been successful selling and servicing customers for one thing and you want to change it, it doesn't mean that they're going to want to buy from you if they don't know that you even sell it. The other problem is is, is often that what's working stops working. And then there's a sort of scratching of heads of what it used to work. Why doesn't it work now? And it can be really hard to take a good hard look at yourself and figure out what's not working anymore. And then sometimes it's about crisis. It's about the fact that things have just got so bad that the people in the business who have the decision-making power almost want to rebrand, like throw it all out and start again. I mean, rebrand is almost never a good idea. But it's that sort of desperation of wanting to get traction. But all of this comes down to the same thing, which is wanting to, to grow, to service your customers and to grow your business and to be and to survive, you know? So often you have to go in and just figure out how to make that marriage work between what the market is looking for, what the buyers are looking for, and then how you can actually solve those problems for them rather than just marketing your features and functionality and hoping somebody will find that sexy. I'm looking forward to unpacking brand a bit with you because I think there's lots of misconceptions and the way that you've just articulated it there. Uh, I feel like often you know, people lose sight of customers and you know, branding ends up becoming something that's more internally driven. So be good, good to 
explore that. Let's um, just start with you know, you've had a, a, a fantastic career to this point. You know, what, what are some of the key experiences that you've had that you think have shaped your thinking the most? I think there is a methodology to how you define your brand so that it actually accelerates the business strategy and then make that how your business actually behaves and interacts and what the expectations are with customers and suppliers and partners that there's almost like you become a real thing that people can be confident is always going to show up and be the same that consistency and in my career what I've seen is lots of people who want to do a very cosmetic sort of coloring in department exercise where they just almost like if you change the logo or you update the colors or you put a new ad campaign in the people will perceive that you have done your job and I mean I once worked for uh, Landor uh, the brand consultancy and um, they had this fantastic phrase which was it's like lipstick on a gorilla and it, and it is, it's that sort of, it's very superficial. And it's what I, so I've seen in my career, I've seen all sorts of weird things. So I've seen um, rebrands stop uh, the day that they are about to go live um, because the mistress of the CEO didn't like the color. Um, I have seen people burn through all the cash all the time, like every bit of goodwill that surrounded them and get to a deadline and have almost nothing to show for it and have to be sort of rescued. I've also seen people invest huge amounts of money in things that end up being very generic. I've seen a lot of bad practice, but I've also seen some amazingly good practice where you start at the beginning, you're market oriented, you look at how the market behaves, what customers actually want to buy, what their category entry points are, what drives them into market. And that those brands speak to those needs and help those customers find their way to the products and services and solutions that are right for them. And then goes back and reinforces that that is what is going to, you know, make the difference to their business. And I think at the heart of the brands like that have been most successful and the brand repositionings have been most successful, it's where you actually just acknowledge that the buyer is a human being, that they are so scared of making a mistake that they need to know all the way through the process that the decisions that they're making and their understanding that is informing those decisions is correct that they're not you know they're not they're not tripping themselves up and then once they made the purchase that they get the full use out of it because otherwise they'll churn you may not know it for another year but they'll churn and also that they have that feeling of confidence that they made the right choice because for for most purchasing decisions i truly believe that the enemy the sort of brand enemy is inertia it's that the status quo feels more reliable than change and i think that's extraordinary and that's why i think also the relationship between brand and abm really come together because if you truly truly care about your customer and want to understand them and make sure that whatever they get from you is exactly what they need and that they know how to use it then that is everything i think in business that is loyalty for life that's that's where the gold gold and magic happens and um rach just as you touched on that the mistress of the ceo i think hopefully you're joking i wasn't that's a true story Good God. Do you think most brand initiatives, most um, brand transformations, do they end up becoming vanity projects? I mean, I'll be cruel to be kind, but I think brand is, is seen to be about big adverts 
um, how you look. It's really superficial, actually. And it's just not that at all. It's actually how your business shows up and does business. As you, you're um, working with HP and working with uh, previous organizations that, where you've led these um, brand transformations, what, what are some of those misconceptions? Is it that organizations say, all right, we need to rebrand for whatever reason and we're going to show up in these big adverts and we're going to show up in this particular way? Are there any other misconceptions that you hear across executive and leadership teams as, as they're referencing the rebrand? Yeah, so I actually think that it all stems from the same original problem, which is that you have to diagnose what the health of your brand is in the market it wants to be in. And you have to do that with data and research to really understand, is it relevant? Is it differentiated? And is it authentic? And I don't know that a lot of brands do that. So you, what you hear a lot of is people knowing that they've got a problem with their brand, but they can't actually articulate what it is. And so they run towards the things that they have seen done before. Because if you think about it, updating the color of a logo from a kind of old-fashioned green to a sort of perky green, everybody's seen it, you've done it, you, you know it, right? But if you have actually seeing companies have better relationships with their customers what's sitting behind that could be a whole number of things the in-product user experience the sales team ability to really get under the skin of what makes that customer take on what they're really looking for the ability of a business to hold on to information from one interaction to the next so that it has a memory of how it's engaged with that customer rather than the customer holding all the memories of all their different interactions. And all of that takes a huge amount of work, but it's a bit like when you renovate your house. You pour all this money into the plumbing and the electrics and everything, and then somebody just comes along and goes, oh, nice light switch. It's that. What I've experienced several times in my career is that moment where you present a diagnosis and then you go on to talk about what the strategy options are and the choices. And people look at you and go, why have I never seen brand done like this before? Like, what is this? Why are you doing this? It makes you feel quite smug because you think to yourself, oh, good, you know, I'm adding value. But it also makes you want to cry because the answer is very rarely a big advert. Well, what do you think speeding that, though? Is it how other executives are looking at brand? Is it the, the branding of brand? <laughs> is it what's there? <laughs> well, I think, I think MBAs, I mean, my critique of MBAs would be they're quite siloed. They're quite sort of functional. So you learn all the different things, but you don't really, I don't know that many of them teach how it all works together. And often the marketing course is a small part of it. And then brand is an even smaller part of it. I think brand is often left to marketeers, but actually it really should be tied to corporate strategy and the CEO because it's about the whole business delivering on that on that expectation. And I think the other thing, I don't know how many marketeers have really done full training and are fully qualified and understand how brand actually drives revenue or how brand is an experience as well as what you say and that you've got to be consistent. I always think of them as human beings. If you know, if 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 you show up in a three-piece suit to the side of the rugby field on a Sunday morning for training, you just look inappropriate. But if you show up and you are, you know, five foot ten one day and five foot one the next day, male one day, female the next, you know, it just all of that is really disconcerting because you're like, who is this person? Do I even know them? 
Can I rely on them? So that's why brand is, it, it's a shortcut to a decision. It's the moment when you think to yourself, oh yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll just go with them because I feel that's a, that's a great decision. So I think there's layers of lack of understanding of what you should expect of brand and actually how to go about doing it in a way that is meaningful for revenue rather than, I mean, disconnected brand campaigns. And, you know, every year a new advert, I mean, it, it's, it's people getting bored of their own kind of creativity, I think. Yeah, it does. It does sometimes feel like organizations are going through a rebrand because, you know, if people have seen the same, same look and feel, you know, that particular advert has been running for a period of time and they want to re-energize things. What, what would you, def- if you were positioning brand, I mean, you've, you've mentioned a great point on its corporate strategy you know, where does it really sit within the marketing paradigm, this idea of actually in simple terms, brand is what your customers think of you. And, and you know, this is all about showing up consistently. Um, when, when you're talking to senior leadership teams, how do you actually define brand when, when you talk about it as a, a strategy or a, a discipline? I always start with which market do you want to be in? Who are your buyers? And what, what, are, what do you want to sell to them? That's the corporate strategy, what the pricing is, where you're going to sell it, through whom you're going to sell it. When you know that, then what you have to diagnose is, is that how the buyers perceive you? And if not, where are the shortcomings? What levers do you need to push to change their perceptions? That's what brand has to do. You have to become that shortcut to a decision by being easy to mind in their heads, which, you know, is called mental availability. But if if you're not thought of in a buying situation, you you can't be bought from, you know, it's quite straightforward. And then are you actually easy to buy? Like, is it easy to know which products and services are right for what you actually need? And do you feel that you're making the right choice? Brand has to do that. And then it has to actually make that entire experience of you buying and using what you have bought straightforward and easy. And that has to be almost a feeling of that's what it's like to do business with them. That's what it's like to buy from them. That's what it's like to be their customer. And so the way that company delivers it has to be really consistent. So the antithesis of that is random acts of marketing random acts of pricing, random acts of availability, you know, random acts of product development, that that kind of, you know, customers need to know what's right for them, what goes with what, and what their natural upgrade paths are. And if they don't know, then you can imagine how difficult it is for a seller or for a partner who's selling for you. If it, it, if it feels like you need a PhD to be able to know what's right for them in the portfolio, you're, you're, you're messed up. So, if you know what the business strategy is, it's very easy to then check with buyers, you know, whether that's what they understand. And then you find the gap. And for me, that's what the diagnosis is all about. Because it is where you have a gap, is there a competitor doing it really well? And in which case, how are you going to position yourselves to be better and different than them? But brands, I mean, with every brand I've worked on, I feel like I'm standing on the shoulder of giants. Like you inherit that brand, you look after it for a period of time, but then you have to get out of the way and the next person takes over but you don't have a right to rip it up and start again you have to keep it really consistent but you have to keep refreshing how it comes across how it cuts through so that it doesn't become sort of vanilla noise and it sounds like the way that you're thinking about brand is you know keeping up with the market keeping up with 
customer needs and actually almost that restless nature of evolving the way the business is showing up in a way that's helpful and valuable for customers. Yeah, I mean, take the cloud market over 10 years, right? At the beginning, what happened was everybody went out and bought bits of, you know, software that was cloud-based and, you know, developed a few little things on the cloud. And it was really like sticking a toe in the water, right? And then over a period of time, about eight, 10 years, you could see in all the research that people were moving more and more and more and more of what they could to the cloud, but there were some things that would never, ever move. And then it got to the point where everybody was sort of well set up with their mix of what they had on premises and what they had on cloud, and they weren't going to change anymore. And so during that period of change, they were up for grabs. They would go to companies that looked like they could serve them the best. They sort of unlocked themselves from the inertia themselves. And if you weren't in there playing the game at that point with them to figure out what was right for them, you missed the market. And the market's now solidified again. And it's much harder again to get people to switch providers. So you have to understand what's going on from their perspective. It's not about what you have and what you want to sell. It's about what they want to buy and how you can get that product into their hand in the way that they want. If you're looking to learn more about account-based marketing, take a look at the ABM Effect, how to win, retain, and grow valuable clients for market-beating growth on Amazon and Audible. You touched on a a, a great analogy or um, aspect of brand that I hear and talk about a lot as well, this idea of mental availability and physical availability. And, you know, thinking about your buyers, they only have a a certain capacity um, to, to do both of those those things. In a customer context and just thinking about strategic accounts or account-based motions, you know, I think brand is often seen as this thing that happens over there and you've got demand gen that's happening here. And in, in many ways, account-based marketing has brought those two worlds together. Do you feel like brand has been on a bit of a evolution over the last 10 years and, and how brand can really act as a growth driver? Or, or, or do you feel like some organizations are still getting it right and some are getting it wrong? Because you know, where, where would you say we, we are on that? So there's two things that you're talking about, which I think are really critical. One is that ABM is not demand gen and it's not disassociated from brand. It is actually a manifestation of that business caring enough about that customer that they want to really deeply understand that customer's world and how they can best help them and the people who are involved in those conversations um, are physical manifestations of the business right so it is always both brand and demand but it's also loyalty building right so it, it and it's a complete package, and that's why I think that focus on the on the on the customers that you can help the most, which is how, in my head, I think about ABM, is that you you choose the people that you can make you can give the the biggest benefit by working with them. That all of those interactions, all of that work that goes on to, into that into that account, is your brand. You are your brand, right? And. I think one of the biggest issues that we have at the moment is that the 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 C the C suite. I don't think they actually know what to expect of brand or marketing. I don't think they have that impression in their heads, and so I think there's a lot of people doing brand the way they think it should be done, as very sort of um, high level, almost untethered from what people actually go on to buy. 
but a sort of, uh, I mean, think about the discussions around purpose. I mean, it's great to have a purpose as a business, but you also need to be able to actually serve those customer needs. And the whole thing has to tie together. So I worry that the C-suite don't have, don't ask the right questions, don't have the right expectations of what brand is. And that uh, it's probably born out of the fact that brand is actually more complicated than just making an advert is a bit like ABM. You know, this thing about where do you put ABM? Like, should you have an ABM team? Should you put it into a demand chain? Should you? It's it's almost like a sort of nonsense because you need people who know the channels. Like you need experts in executing and social. You need experts in media buying. You need experts in messaging, etc. right? But the way you execute for that customer is all those points of touch joining up. The ability to see an ad, check on a website, get a bespoke meeting that really talks about you and your business, all of those things for the customer, they're all, they're all part and parcel of the same conversation that's happening with your business, whether it's broadcast or interactive. So you have to organize yourselves to be able to deliver that consistently. So I, I mean, I, you know, I worry that we shift from things, don't we? Centralize, we centralize, measures next. But you've got to know what what that customer has experienced with you and what the next step is for them. So you have to actually organize for that, right? Yeah, yeah. Be orchestrated and and ready to serve serve the needs of customers. Point you touched on there, just Rachel, that reminded me of one of our clients. They've just been through a big rebrand. Uh, all of their key account teams and 80% of their business is coming from key accounts are saying, well, that rebrand that's come from head office doesn't really talk to our customers' needs. So we're going to go and do something different. And so there's, there ends up being this air, air gap between the rebrand that's been delivered and the conversations that are happening on the ground. And you're, you're a bit like the uh, analogy you used of the rugby pitch showing up in a three-piece suit or, or, and, or turning up for somebody completely different on the next day. And that, that cons- inconsistency you know, must wreak havoc and, and really undermine all of the effort that's gone in. Where, where do you think companies go wrong in that kind of setting? Is it because they've been too surface level? Is it the lipstick on the gorilla? So it's almost like, you know, when you see um, uh, culture blueprints or sort of values or beliefs or whatever, and there's a lot of generic language and all that. If you can actually figure out what it is that makes your culture tick and what it is that your customers actually want and where the connection comes between the two and focus your culture, building your culture on that, that is fantastic. So for example, if the customer does not want to buy anything off the shelf, if as far as they're concerned, they've inherited a legacy of decisions, their situation is unique, and yes, they may end up buying standard products, but they want them put together in a way that is exactly the way they need it, then they're going to need a culture that understands that one size does not fit all, that is empathetic, that wants to listen and really understand that customer and where they're coming from in order to make sure that they have the best solutions. So you then have to articulate in that culture that they need to be empathetic, that they need to be curious, they need to really listen, they need to think about what is right. Then you start to have a, a culture that actually bridges between the inside of the business and what those buyers are really really looking for and I don't think many companies think about it like that they think about it as what would we like to do in our ivory tower for our culture what would make be good and what kind of language would look good in the annual report or is the language that was used in somebody in the C-suite's previous company 
And then um, the the brand itself, often what happens is that it's created, it's almost like it's right for the stakeholders who've been involved, but it isn't necessarily right for how the buyers actually buy and the sellers actually sell. There's a lot of challenges as well around um, if you think if you're across different industries, you have to really make sure that your brand will work in those different industries. You also have to um, do the same when you're when you're looking at a, a kind of glo- what global means. So I was on this amazing call trying to do some marketing uh, between the US, the UK and Australia. And I will remember this for the rest of my life because it basically became a two, two and a half hour call where we were talking about humor. Because what the Americans found funny, the Brits didn't. What the Australians found funny, the Americans didn't. And it, it's that thing of, you can't go so high that you become vanilla. But you really need to understand how does that buyer actually shop in that country? What are their choices that aren't you? Which could be inertia, could be something completely and utterly out of category that they would spend their their investment on, their money on. Um, but what is going to make that brand feel globally consistent, but actually right in France and right in Germany and right in Italy? Um, and that is that is a lot of work. You have to really diagnose and get that strategy right. And I don't know how many agencies really work with clients to do that thinking. A lot of the work that you do on ABM, that kind of really deeply understanding the customer and that marriage between what they want and what you can offer that you do with your clients, that's what brand has to do. That is, that, that is, and so if you extrapolate from all of those ABM insights, essentially, up to what does this business do for a whole series of its amazing customers, that's where you start to get to that relevant differentiation that is authentic. And I, so whenever somebody says to me, well, the brand, it just doesn't really work for us. Uh, It's, honestly, I know immediately that it's because it's, either started in the wrong place it started sort of too late into the process or nobody has explained how that is the answer to the exam question and so that person actually could be convinced that that brand is doing the right thing but nobody has spent any time doing it so you have to show your workings all the way through like this is what the market wants this is why they treasure us this is why they choose other people over us this is where we can be really authentic you know, this is how we need to show up to get cut through. This is how we can be consistent. If you take people on that journey with you, you will get it right because they will tell you when you're getting it wrong. I, lo- I love the, the way you framed brand there in a way that just feels like it's adding value to the, and it should add value to cust- outside in. And I think sometimes organizations, particularly the bigger you get and the longer you've been around, the, the, the more naughtier you end up becoming inside the business. And it's that client need, that customer buyer need, that inertia that you touched on ends up getting lost in in the mix. There's just so much other noise. Rachel, I'd love to get your thoughts. Um, you've been involved in a number of marketing transformations and you know, clearly brand strategy and corporate strategy sits at the heart of how you think about um, transformation. But often we see marketing organizations structured around brand and demand, um, both from a resource perspective, from a budget perspective. Um, is, is that the right approach or is that um, undermining um, the, the true value and, and how organizations need to think about their brand? 
I get really troubled by that kind of organization structure, don't you? Because it just, it seems so outside, sort of inside out. It's sort of the marketing organizational structure equivalent of thinking that you just talk about your features for long enough and people will want to buy them. So my first boss basically said to me, like, his advice was find people who are better than you at what they do and work with them. It's like the perfect organizational structure for marketing is that you have people who are specialists. They're like, they're, they, they know their area of expertise so brilliantly and you can rely on them to be the best researchers, the best social media people, um, the best event putter on us, you know, all of that kind of thing. But then I think what you actually have to organize around is the journey for the customer. So all of that upfront, keeping yourself alive in that buyer's mind when they're not in market, they're not shopping, you are completely and utterly not what they're looking for. But you want to you want to be top of mind. You want to have that mental availability when they come to market. That is a sort of, that's 95% of your buyers and that's a sort of ongoing process. And it's all about being relevant to what's going to drive them into market. But then there's another point, isn't there, from the moment they engage in any shape or form and start experiencing your business physically, whether it's at events or, um, you know, uh, kind of ideation labs or in meetings or on the phone or in chat, that that then is about building that relationship and answering their exam questions and inspiring them and making them feel confident and comfortable. And then I think there's a point post-sale where actually it becomes about making sure they get the most out of it, that they feel overjoyed with the decisions they've made, that they really feel like they've got incredible value for money and that they know where they could go next, what else they could solve with you, and that they start to share what they've learned with other people who are earlier in the journey. So I often think that maybe actually there should just be three teams that have beautiful handoffs to each other with the ability to call on all those experts to help them in any of the tactics and channels. I think that's a fantastic way of looking at it, all those centers of excellence that you've got these specialist SWAT teams of um, real skill and expertise, and then you've got those that are owning and, and taking full ownership of that that part of the buyer journey. What do you think? I think the answer is complicated because there's so much legacy in lots lots of organisations and how they're structured. And then, like you said, with um, brand decisions as well, you know, there's there's a lot of um, personal, I guess, egos and territories and all, all that other good stuff at play. And and you know, perception is a big part of it as well when you've got regional teams and regional leadership teams that want their own people and actually what you end up doing at the center is doubling up with the regions as the, you, you, you're not allocating resource effectively I, I think whatever helps the customer buy is has to win um, and I'm just really keen to to get your thoughts on on brand and how it's how pervasive it should be and and should marketing organizations keep brand you know you, you're you've obviously um, you know, chief, chief brand officer you, you you run these roles and teams should it sit within marketing should it sit within corporate strategy what what's your take well i think that corporate strategy and marketing strategy should actually be one of the same i mean I, I do think they are slightly different but i think that it the that having that disconnect is really tricky and i think that brand and business strategy are joined at the hip i mean once you've decided what it is you're going to do what your strategy is for the business 
then brand is how you actually manifest that and get it to work. So I just think all that strategy should be together because it should then also guide what it is that you're producing, what's in your pipe, you know, in your roadmap and so on. But that is almost impossible because of the politics, because, you know, corporate strategy often sits with CFOs and you have operational strategy and you have chiefs of staff and then you've got marketing with its strategy. And But what I find a lot of in businesses is that there, there is actually an absence of that marketing or brand strategy. It's much more um, about plans, it's tactical plans, and it's often from the bottom up. And just going back to what you were saying about that sort of doubling up and the regional versus the... See, I, I, I really think if you focus on the journey, there's a certain amount of the work that can be done globally for everyone, and there's a certain amount of the work where you need to hand over some almost ready meals, ready to go, that can be tailored and enhanced at a local level. And there are some things where... They just have to be done the way they need to be done. I mean, you would not be marketing to businesses about how to cope with Brexit outside of the UK in the same way. So you have to, in that situation, you have to be able to create those marketing activities to support those customers through that um, journey that you don't need to roll out globally. So having a great strategy and a and a plan that you don't need a big PowerPoint to explain, like you you can just articulate is is critical i think because you have to i think what this is all about in the end is people have to know they can confidently get on with serving that customer and doing their job and in the absence of strategy and how that links up and what the customer should be expecting from you i think it makes people actually quite fearful and quite hierarchical and quite sort of waiting to be told to do things it's not nice being in a job in that situation actually no, so lot, lots to be done as we think about brand and organisation transformation. I'd love to um, close and get your thoughts, Rachel, on um, what, what are the right questions that executives and marketing leaders should be asking when, when they're setting about a rebrand or when they're setting about to assess whether their brand strategy is, is right for them and where they are today? I think it's just the basics. Like, who is the buyer? Do they know they can buy from us? Do they know what they would buy? Do they know how to buy it? It's that easy for them. I would just start with that because if any of those questions get answered in a way that makes you go, oh gosh, then you know you've got a problem. I don't think it is about looking at the brand and deciding whether you like it or not because it's not for you. Take the subjectivity out of it um, and start with your client needs. Uh, I love it. Great piece of advice. And um, if you were talking to any CMO or business executive uh, who is thinking, is is my brand performing for me? What what can I do to help improve and grow the business? As, as you've described some of those catalyst events, what steps would you recommend organizations take? What, what's the sort of playbook, if you will, the, the kind of three or five steps? I would do a proper diagnosis, actually. the I would do some call and interview the, the most important buyers you have who actually know the market, know you very well. And I would ask them what drives them into market to buy, what are the barriers to purchase, what makes, what drives a decision at each stage, what drives consideration, what drives actual purchase, what drives the decision to renew or not. I would run quant on that and then actually be able to assess the business against the competitors and understand, you know, are you relevant to the category entry points? Those reasons to come to market. And is your brand perceived to remove those barriers or actually add to them? 
And I would start with that because if you understand that, then the next thing you can ask is how is is how aware they are of you in that market. Do they like you? Do they want to buy from you? Would they consider you? Would they would they buy from you in the next twelve months? And all of that information immediately gives you a sense of whether or not you're actually relevant in the market, whether you're going to whether you're going to even stand a chance. And I would do that. I would do that every twelve to eighteen months regularly and expect to learn something from it rather than that it will give you all the answers you already have. Fantastic. So understand, learn from your customers and just keep keep doing it. It sounds like keep that pulse check running so you're, you're staying close. And a, f- a final closing um, question for, for me, Rachel, as you think about account-based marketing and you, you've seen it go on um, you know, a big evolution over the last 10, 15 years, do you think that um, account-based strategies can end up um, acting as a catalyst for brand transformation and how executives are thinking about brand? I think that the feedback loop on ABM into a business of how those customers are really thinking, really buying, really want that experience to be is gold dust. So, I mean, first of all, it forces the the it forces this kind of nonsense about sales and marketing divide to go away because you all have to love the customer. I want to try and figure out a way to serve them brilliantly. But if you really then understand the customer and you make sure that you feed that into what keeps the brand relevant and differentiated, you're onto a winner. I mean, I genuinely I think that 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 will make you successful in any market. Yeah, fantastic. We're all here to facilitate customers. We're all here to facilitate how the customers are buying. And I love that point around stay focused on that and you will continue to to differentiate. Rachel, I've loved having this conversation with you, hearing your insights. I think you've got a really unique perspective on on brand and ho- hopefully you've got a book coming out soon as, as well. Thank you so much. I love yours. Absolutely loved your book. Thanks for having me, Alicia. It's really, it's been great. Fabulous to unpack this topic, Rachel, and and looking forward to to seeing, seeing where you take brand next. This podcast is brought to you by Momentum ITSMA, the leading strategic account growth consultancy and pioneers of account based marketing. In partnership with our clients, we build strategic account programs, develop high performing go to market teams and implement client focused growth strategies to drive significant revenue growth. For more information, visit MomentumITSMA.com.